everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder, Taryn Sharma, Mets off of a, a sweep in Oaktown. I don't care if they're the triple A's. Taryn, are we uh, are we satisfied with a uh, with a, a nice nice start to the uh, West Coast swing? Yeah, well, you you know you want to get fat on these wins. That's something that the Mets did really well. It's uh, it's currently eight thirty p.m. Eastern, and the Mets just drew another walk. <laughs> How many this weekend? <laughs> it was seventeen in the that one game, and then they didn't draw a walk for seven innings on Sunday. You were like, man, what's going on? Uh, but then they drew them when it mattered most and uh, and managed to get those runs home and and pull off the sweep. So that was awesome. Great team performance. 27 walks on the weekend, by the way. Wow. <laughs> we'll take it. We will take it. Um, you know, the, I guess Saturday and Sunday probably shouldn't have been as close as they were, considering the Mets were given uh, some free base runners throughout. And, you know, um, They've had a bit of a tough time string together hits, but hey, you know, you go in and you sweep against a team that you should beat. Um, you really can't can't be that unhappy with it, right? Well, no, I, I'm not unhappy at all. You know, you're going to play one-run games. You're going to lose games to teams that aren't very good, that aren't in a competitive window. Wait, so, a, second, wait a second. Team, you're going to lose to bad teams? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's stunning, I, but dude, even the worst teams somehow manage to win 60 games and they're not just beating up on each other. Oh, Mets Twitter's not going to want to hear this, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think we've talked about not living and dying with every single game. You know, like a, a, every game can go one of two ways, but you want to see uh, consistency. And so I thought this weekend was great in terms of showing that they can win close ball games. We haven't done that. Uh, Saturday was the first one run win of the entire season. And then they do it again on Sunday. And I think that there is a little bit of pressure, you know, when you play, a, you mentioned the triple A's, like that's a bunch of four a guys out there and a bunch of young guys that are hungry. Right. And when you play a group like that, they have nothing to lose. No one expects them to win. And uh, where's the Mets, you know, 101 win juggernaut coming back and they should be uh, winning all of these games, that's pressure on the guys. And so for them to show up the way that they did this weekend, I thought was a really positive sign. Uh, and, and so I think the guy that you, the guys you've got to talk about with this weekend, right? Uh, first and foremost, Arlen Dorr, because he had a marvelous weekend, hit everything hard. And, uh, and Pete Alonso coming through, uh, clutch eight home runs in 16 games. That is just an unbelievable start. What Pete's been doing, one, he's seeing the ball extremely well. Um, on Saturday, I believe, uh, facing Fujinami for the first time, Pete saw like a 78-mile-an-hour slider. That kind of like – it stayed in the zone the whole time. It was like a 12-to-the-middle-of-the-clock slider. And, you know, just watching Pete enough, you, you would assume that he could have crushed this thing, but he kind of just looked at it, and his body language is like, Really? And his next at bat, I can't tell you if this is the uh, – later in the game, I should say. I can't tell you if it was the slider that he took, but he was just seeing it very, very well. And uh, and you can tell he's just – he's locked in right now. And forget about it. What he did on Sunday, that was just a, a blast. <laughs> I, I don't think that ball stood a chance. And, you know, where, uh, where the pitcher put it, I mean, Pete's going to clobber that thing every time. I loved your Nelson <laughs> about the, uh, the ball just being center cut right there. Uh, <laughs> you can't leave that there for the polar bear. So 
that was awesome. The team really needed it. Um, and, you know, even in that inning, you, I was talking about Lindor, right? He stung that that ball. Uh, Diaz just made a really good play on it. But otherwise, he had him set up for business also. Um, I, I think, and we can talk about this when we get to Beatty, but uh, tough for Eduardo Escobar, too. Like, came up in a big spot there and wasn't able to come through in the in the top of the ninth. Yeah, on Sunday, yeah. I saw a couple people mention, like, that's the one thing you don't need Escobar to do, and I'm sure he wasn't going up there trying to hit into a double. No, of course not. You looked so frustrated uh, when yeah. he ran that out. Oh, my goodness. Just, you know, maybe uh, I, I, I'm not ready to close the book on Eduardo Escobar. Not because, I mean, I like him as a, as a fan. I think he's a great addition to the team. I think he's a good player. I think he's a very easy player to root for as a fan. Production-wise, yeah, he's slumping right now, and he started off slow last year too, but I'm not ready to close the book on him. I think we've talked about that a bunch in the past, and, you know, he had good numbers hitting as a right-hander last year, and hopefully he can adjust to that, and, and yeah, things are going to change, and we'll jump into that shortly, but um, I really – I don't think that Escobar should be the one to, to be, you know, uh, removed from the roster. There, there's going to yeah. be other options to to go ahead and bring guys up. There's guys who have options left. There's guys who have um, who are kind of built into this mix with the, I guess, with the idea that they're going to be on that shuttle a, a few times throughout the year. Um, you know what Jose Buto did on on Sunday, uh, despite his he's really looked comfortable making two starts. He's done very very well. He's a guy who's probably going to be up and down as many times as they can do it. I believe the max is still five. I believe they implemented that last year. So whether he's going to be making spot starts and using those or whether he's going to be making extended stays, like you can really go in a, in a, in a number of any directions. But I just hope Escobar isn't kind of left out in the cold. I still think he can be a uh, a productive cog even if he's not starting, even if he's only seeing 10, 15 at-bats a week, whatever. Yeah, I, I'm not sure uh, who amongst the players that have options would be the ones to go down. I mean, unless you're saying that Alvarez is going to go down, but that's kind of a position of need, right? So yeah. the guys that have options right now, and I'm looking at roster resource, it's Alonzo and McNeil. That's not happening, right? Um, well, they can go short in the pitching, right? They could they could drop one off the pitching. They could, yeah. And so that would be like Denny Reyes, who gave them two good innings on Sunday uh, or John Curtis who uh, had his first bad, bad outing, but has been marvelous coming off of Tommy John. That was a great investment that the Mets made last year. Um, and he's been really solid for them, but uh, you know, struggled today. Uh, Drew Smith has a couple of options, uh, but yeah, I'm not sure who, else, who of that group is going to be the ones to, kind of be sent down. Like McGill has it. Uh, Yacobonis can go back down, right? No, he's out of options. Uh, well, you hope, he, you hope he doesn't. I can't foresee him being a huge contributor, but I guess it would be nice to have him around. Do you think that he passes through waivers if you, if you designate him? I mean, yeah, maybe, but even if he doesn't, like that's not a huge loss. I'm just wondering like, Look, the, the situation is with the Mets right now, right? 
they haven't had consistent starting pitching going deep into ball games. They've been good, but they haven't been able to go deep into the ball games. And, and I think that we've covered at length the issues that Cookie has had. That's contributed to it. Max not being able to go out there uh, this turn, that contributes to it. Um, Buto really like came through for them today, giving them five innings of, uh, of, uh, good pitching. That was massive. They really needed it because I'm not sure they could have stomached a, a really poor outing where they needed the long guy, uh, today. And so given that that's the situation, right. I'm not sure, um, that they want to go short in the pen, uh, if they're going to be relying, especially on the back end guys, to give them the crucial innings down the stretch, but you know, uh, I know that Epler and those guys they know better than me, and they'll they'll make the decision. One other option, um, Guillaume has one option. Uh, yeah. He's a guy that plays everywhere, so it makes him incredibly valuable for the Mets because uh, he can play premium positions. But if you're looking at a guy that um, maybe could go down for a brief amount of time, uh, given that Escobar can play in a lot of different places also. Maybe he's one. Um, but, yeah, well, I, I guess we'll we'll see how it turns out, what decision they make uh, tomorrow, because that's when uh, Martino reported that uh, Beatty will come up. Yeah, yeah, we heard Buck talk about it before the game with the media. Um, he really wouldn't, you know, divulge much. And, you know, that's typical manager stuff when the team hasn't made an announcement yet, but um, Hey, uh, can I ask you another thing? What did you make? Um, uh, he said that that's what Beatty is supposed to do in terms of raking at the AAA level. Uh, and a lot of people got on him for that. What did you think of those comments? What, as far as doing what he's supposed to do? Like, you know, I don't think they were expecting to see much room by sending him down. I think it was just a matter of, getting things, getting their ducks in a row at both levels, whether it be on Beatty's side, whether it be on the major league roster, that they wanted to give Escobar every opportunity to maybe get into the swing of things. And, you know, he clearly did not. And Beatty's shown, of course, I mean, you can look up and down the Syracuse roster of, of the, the blue chippers and they're all hitting, man. I mean, Ronnie Mauricio has yeah. just been incredible. Um, yeah. You know, but, I think it was just a process that, you know, the team, maybe there was some lip service there, whether it was initially when they kept him down or kind of letting this play out. But, you know, I, I looked at this and said, you know, th this seems like it was a plan set in, uh, you know, set in, set in place to let things develop well. You know, if, if, if Escobar started off the season – even somewhat productive, let's say hitting hitting 250, a couple of home runs, you know, all, all great things on the defensive side, which he's been mostly good, but a couple of missteps for sure. And, you know, if that's the case and you don't got to, I don't want to say, quote unquote, rush Beatty up, but the fan base wouldn't be clamoring for it. And I, I'm actually, I'm a little shocked that the Mets are, I don't want to say they're allowing the fan base to kind of dictate things, but it's almost like the last couple of instances where the Mets have had to make a, a move. Um, what the fans wanted, the fans have got, whether it was Alvarez, now it's Beatty. Um, I guess yeah, Alvarez, of I, course, was like a shift into, 
into uh, after Narvaez, but right, right. It's it's more of like a yeah. I didn't even know how to put it. I think the Mets are in in a way almost flying by the seat of their pants. I think that they know maybe they didn't do enough, and maybe there are gaps in where they want this young group to be and where they expect them to be by the end of the year. And, you know, I think it's in, it's in, there's, there's enough certainty that you should be comfortable as a fan with where this organization, where things are going right now. But I think they're also flying by the seat of their pants a little bit. Like, you know, things aren't exactly perfect and they're never going to be exactly perfect, but right. Moving and the situation Forces sorry, their, no, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. The, well, I was just, I, I agree with you. I think that the situation forced their hand with Alvarez. So I'm not sure you can group that in with the baby thing, but look, they're not getting the production that they need out of the, out of the third base. spot. Well, right now. No, just to say the Alvarez thing. Now, if Nito, Nito, of course, is a big part of, of this team. And in, I think in, in our, in all of our opinions, but let's say Narvaez was still healthy and Nito was still producing like he is right now. Do, don't you think fans would be screaming their heads off for Alvarez to be up replacing Nito? If that gets like turned? this up, I, I I think that there's a difference between like fans clamoring for the starting third baseman who has been totally unproductive, even though he's a great <laughs> guy and a great teammate, as opposed to like the backup catcher. This he, is very true. This is very fair right? and very true. I'm probably making an unfair comp here, but. Um, but I, I think that the Beatty thing, it, it is their hand has been forced by the fact that one, Escobar has not been productive, and two, that Beatty is hitting the cover off the ball. I mean, the guy is leading all of AAA in <laughs> exit velocities, and behind him is Jorge Alfaro and Fernando Tatis, who's obviously going to be up by the end of the month uh, after his suspension is up. So this is a guy that that clearly took whatever the Mets told him when he didn't make the club out of uh, out of spring training when he raked also then uh, he took that and was totally okay with it fired him up challenged him whatever it was he took it in the right way and and so he has said like you know I I keep telling myself I've got to do it again tomorrow that was the quote that he gave and I love that attitude. And so I think that he went down, he proved it. He was like, hey, look, I, I am ready to graduate from this level. And the Mets look around and they see like, look, Escobar's a great teammate, great guy. He's still playing his possession position well defensively, but you just can't have like a, a hundred something hitter uh, out there every day. It's just not working, right? Like, like you can't be relying on solo home runs to win you – games uh every every series it's just probably not going to happen and also like the, the I think they, gave him, they, they gave escobar ample time to get himself right and yeah, of it course. didn't happen and they kind of had to go this direction yeah and and look if if escobar hadn't put up that hot september i'm not sure we were even having this conversation now like if he was going into spring that he had just been totally unproductive for a year plus i don't think that we're having the discussion. I think Beatty would have made the club out of camp. So yeah, no, I think, but I think Escobar having the hot finish to the year gave him the opportunity to to start the roster and, and rightfully and so gave, gave the yeah sure and gave the organization you know even if it wasn't a hundred percent vote of confidence they gave them some confidence that hey 
We saw it happen last year. Maybe he could do it again. Now, maybe with the role changed, maybe a pressure drop, maybe he could, you know, but we'll see things pick up again. And then, hey, he's had nothing but great things to say about Beatty. We're all over the moon about Brett Beatty, but Escobar's quotes over the last few days, you know, this is a future of the club. This is a guy who's going to lead this team. You know, that's, uh, one, it's a great gesture by Escobar's talking about the guy who's going to take his job. But in another sense, I mean, it should give a very bright spin on what's going on for a team that's, you know, despite a good record and a good roster, there is a little, some moments in flux. You know, I think in general, though, um, as for a situation that could have gone very messy in the past for this organization, it's kind of been, you know, picture perfect between everything kind of working out. But again, the process had to play out. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that's also the buck effect, right? Like, I think that that guy knows how to run a clubhouse. And I think that Escobar is a professional. And I think there are a lot of leaders in that clubhouse. Um, and they they make it clear not only through their words, but through their actions that their primary focus, their only focus is to win. And um, I loved Escobar's comments. I think he's a great guy. He's been well-regarded as being one of the best guys in baseball for a long time. And um, And I think that... You know, he understands what the situation is. So I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to seeing Beatty. We need more offense. We need to be consistently uh, putting the the ball in play more and, and, um, you know, hitting for extra bases. Uh, That's uh, pretty much the only hits it feels like that the Mets are getting our home runs and they're not getting enough hits. So uh i'm i'm excited to see what Beatty can do i hope that he can keep it going because man uh if you can have a a 23 year old stud uh from that side of the plate in the in the middle of this lineup uh i I think that this this team looks a lot different i think that it's a really really special lineup oh absolutely and i think it could open up doors for lots of other guys i mean look at look at i mean all right so we've already established the Mets probably don't want to go short on the pitching side. Escobar's probably going to stick around to, as depth. Yeah. You know, you have a Tim LaCastro who you have to assume is, you know, valuable enough to the club that they kept him around. Yeah. Um, certainly brings a dynamic. You have Daniel Vogelback, who's been um, – hasn't been hitting well, but he's got a higher walk rate than Brandon Nimmo. He's got a lower strikeout rate than than Pete Alonso. And so um, – you know, his I believe his hard hit rates like something like eighteen percent below his career average. He was at thirty nine percent last year. He's at twenty two percent now. You know, the Mets have tons of really really competent pieces. You always just have to make that puzzle work. And adding more guys, whether it's Alvarez last week or a couple of weeks ago, whether it's Beatty now, whether it's Vientos or even Mauricio down the line, just to add bench pieces for guys who. Just like Alvarez. Well, of course, I know it's a different situation. Or just like Beatty. They've done all they can at that level. Now they're coming up and they have to make they have to get over this big hump right now. And you're looking at Alvarez right now, who's been really like struggling to adapt to major league pitching. And I think you saw a couple of really good at bats from him on Sunday. Yeah, I think so. 
It's. I mean, he went the other way a couple of times with very, very hard struck balls. On oh, he forced Kemp to make like a really outstanding defensive play and left. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, it, you know, these are all just things you want to see. And it's never going to be an overnight transition. And you're seeing it with, with Alvarez. And it, Beatty's probably not going to be – you saw it last year with Beatty. He got, what, 20, 30 at-bats. And he really, you know, he was below the Mendoza line. A couple of great – um Solid at bats, but you know the first one especially. Yeah, of course. It's just it's going to take time, and you know I think the Mets are you know planting the seeds now. Beatty's in there. You have guys who are just bubbling, ready to get into the mix, and whether that's now, whether that's next season. But look at like Mauricio and Vientos, whether they're you know trade candidates. You have all these plans and pieces in place ready to go. Again, I think the Mets are in a real nice position, but there's just a little bit of uh, a little bit of uncertainty. That's all. Yeah. Well, uh, before we move on from the uh, the AAA guys who are playing really well, why do you think they haven't given Mauricio some run in left field to see how that works out? Well, I know we've been asking for it for a while now. Um, you know, they they the winter league, he got some run at third base. And I think the Mets gave him a little bit of uh, reps out there in in the spring. And, you know, he's a shortstop by trade. And it almost makes me think that they're still deliberating on where he's going to stand. And as far as, you know, as a piece of this organization moving forward or whether they're showcasing him for a possible move later in the season or whatever. I don't know if that's all been finalized. I mean, if, if it's up to me, you find a spot for Ronnie Marisa because his bat's just totally apparently coming into its own. I mean, you could see that just absolutely plainly. He's he's turning into a powerhouse. And, uh, you know, for someone like that, if third base isn't going to be a, a spot that's open and if Beatty's really going to be comfortable there and if, if his fielding is really taking that step and he's going to be your next cornerstone third base guy, then – you got to find a spot for Ronnie and, um, you know, versatility will help. And I know I don't want to sound like a broken record, but look at what you did with Ahmed Rosario. I mean, he might not have ever taken to center field, but you didn't give him the chance to do it until, you know, two or three years in the league. <laughs> you know, that's never going to happen. So I would love to see them kind of spread him out. Um, we've seen him play second in the past. Uh, you know, of course, you play shortstop. Certainly feel the position at third. I'd love to see some corner outfield reps, but hey, you know, the Mets certainly, they, they have to have had considered this and um, hopefully they implement something soon. Well, so let's uh, just get some more clarity then on the roster, right? Like if you are going to keep Escobar, say that he's not the guy that you're, you're not going to DFA Escobar. At least not uh, if he if he's not producing even as a right-handed cog or or just a a bench piece, if he's still not producing, yeah, you might have to think about it, but not right now, no. Okay, so then are are you? I think like the decision then is between do you want LeCastro's speed and like fourth outfield kind of thing he can play some center, I guess. Um, or do you want Guillaume as the backup to Lindor? Who, you know, Lindor, uh, unless he's hurt, knock on wood, goes out there every day. Every day. Um, 
So I, I think that's like the decision, right? Because well, I think Key Army can't go anywhere. He's your he's your backup second baseman, he's your backup third baseman, he's your backup shortstop. Right, but Escobar could be the backup second baseman, couldn't he? Yeah, but at this point, who are you putting into the lineup if you need a if you need someone from the left-handed side of the plate? And if you have a right-hander, uh, you know, opposing pitcher on the mound and you need a anywhere, a, a shortstop, a third baseman, uh, a second baseman, are you going with Guillaume or are you going with Escobar? You have to pick. You have to pick a third baseman between those two. Beatty, maybe. Between Jim. the two of them, they basically hit the same right now. So yeah, but, I think I'd rather have Guillaume. But I think I'm with you on Guillaume just because he's more of a contact hitter at this point as well. Yeah. Um. And to me, he creates stuff. You know, Escobar, he can get a hold of one. But if it came down to it, I think Diorme might be a more more valuable piece moving forward than um than Escobar. And it, it pains me to say that because I'm an Escobar fan. But um, yeah, Diorme I, I think it's more a, a matter of like, if you're kicking the can down the road, I, I it's either Guillaume or LeCastro. Unless you're making a decision on... Escobar right now. And I don't think that they're no. inclined to do that, by the way. No, but you might have to. If you, if Escobar's not hitting and, and you want to get another, you know, look at Ronnie Mauricio, switch switch hitter, um, can probably fill those same gaps, maybe not the outfield side of things, but, you know, if Escobar's still not hitting, let's say if Vogelback's still not hitting. You know, these are all kind of options you have to weigh. Um, as for right now, though, I... I like the dynamic LeCastro brings, but if you have to cut someone loose off the offensive side of the roster, maybe it's him. I don't know. I, I like what he brings to the team, but I really, it's a, it's a tough one. I'm glad I'm not sitting in that chair, man. I really, I'm, I'm really not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I where, where, where do you stand? Where does LeCastro stand with you? Do you think that he's that valuable as that? Speed demon as that I like. Base. I like LeCastro because he can, you know, play the the fourth outfield role, sure. and he, he has great speed. I just don't know that you necessarily need to commit the roster spot to him. Yeah. Um, but then again, like, okay, if you have to bring in somebody to run, I guess it's Tommy Pham. I, I'm not sure who else would fill that role in the in the absence of. Castro. Someone told me today, Tommy Pham's got the highest exit velocity on the team. That's nice addition. I don't. I, I don't want to shift gears yeah. here. But no, bless his doctor. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. It like the guy just couldn't see. It's like that season where do you remember Wilson Ramos? He just like couldn't see, and then he got LASIK, and then all of a sudden he had that great season. It's probably the best season he ever had. A uh, 30, 30 plus game hitting streak, almost a 30 game hitting streak, something like that. Yeah, he was amazing. Um, <laughs> but just to go back to what you were saying about, um, yeah, it's really, it's a tough decision. When it comes down to it, if it's a roster spot being gained or lost, yeah, maybe it's a great dynamic to have, but Tommy Pham is probably just, you know, the same level of speed that LeCastro is or close to it, probably. I don't know. I don't know. Plus with guys like running at will, did you happen to see out of, just getting like 
you know, ran all over on Saturday. <laughs> I feel like we should have known that that was going to happen. He's always been slow to the plate. Always slow. He's like Noah Syndergaard, just ridiculously <laughs> slow to the plate. And um, I don't know. You just see it. It's being accentuated so much more now. It's almost like a, you know, it's just another wrinkle, another dynamic. And it, you know, Saturday could have really got out of hand with, you know, A's stealing three bases in the eighth, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, kind of, um, kind of crazy, but that speed plays right now. And it makes you wonder whether, you know, in the fifth inning, you know, Vogelback gets a hit. Bucks hasn't been shy to to pinch hit or, or you know, remove Vogelback from the game. And, you know, the speed would call for, would play well in certain situations. But like you said, you have a Tommy Pham out there, maybe, you know, I don't want to say because Q Army doesn't really run all that well, but he moves when he needs to. And I guess it could be an option, but it's not La Castro. But when that's you know, your one dynamic, I guess you kind of got to roll with the punches. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a little bit of positional flexibility there too with him, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see what they decide to do. I'm, I'm more or less okay with any of the options there. You know? Oh yeah. Because I'm excited about Beatty, and I I feel like he has to be up, um, and so whatever they have to do, they have to do it. I'm gonna take a quick break and talk about whatever else is left. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, hang tight, guys. We will be right back. And we are back. Mets are heading into L.A. Love that. Should be a nice series. Mm-hmm. Um. You concerned at all facing a team that could be not concerned, but are you feeling the, um, I guess the upped ante facing a team that, you know, in all likelihood will probably be hanging around in October. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm like, uh, I'm very excited to see how the Mets do against, uh, a team, like you said, that will likely at least be a wild card team. And, uh, I think it's like a good bar, right? They they've played um just one team, right? That that is probably going to be in the playoffs in the Brewers and that didn't go very well. So, um this will be a, a good second test. Uh kind of see where they're at and and what what's going to happen. Yeah. No, I mean this is it it's almost uncanny how the Dodgers just keep on retooling, they keep on doing what they have to do. And, you know, you have a, a cast of maybe not entirely familiar phases, but, like, you know, you look at what oh, James yeah. Outman's doing. Like, not a lot of people were talking about James Outman, but he's out there doing his thing now. Um, right. Jason Hayward's looked all right so far. I guess not not quite. Is he even playing yet this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's had some good games. Yeah, I was going to say – I haven't seen that much of him. Miguel Rojas, he's he's always a nice addition. He's been David Peralta had the game winning hit the other day. Who was that? Uh, David Peralta. Yeah. Oh, he was a great addition from Arizona, man. Uh, uh, Rojas is not having a good year. It's tough for him. I like Miguel Rojas. Um, Miguel Vargas. I'm intrigued by him. I know he was taking a ton of walks to start the year. Yeah, he's got his OPS back down 700, 760-ish. But, yeah, I mean, nice team. They consistently retool. 
You got Dustin May going tomorrow, going Monday. Who is electric, phenomenal. Oh, goodness, bro. That two-seamer is nasty. Yeah. It's one of the best pitches in baseball. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's awesome. Um, Peterson looking for a little bit of a bounce back tomorrow. Absolutely. Oh, between Peterson and McGill, man, this is going to be a really, really cool litmus test for the both of them. Yeah. And uh, I I always like watching Kershaw pitch. I've rooted against him most of his career, but I, I like the guy and I like to see him pitch. So we'll get to see him. And then uh, and then we'll finally get to see Noah Syndergaard face off against uh, the Mets. Unless, you know, last minute. Um, oh, can't go. Got to go in the next year. Going to skip a day. No, I hope he does well. And um, I know his velocity hasn't been up there, but I believe his opening day start was decent. And I, I hope he's coming around. No, his, his opening day start was good, but the last two have not been good. Yeah, no, I hope he gives up a bloop and a bloop and a bloop and a blast. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, uh, earned run over four in his first start. Six earned runs over – I'm sorry, earned run over six in his first start. Six earned runs over four in his second. And three earned runs over six in his last one. Nine strikeouts in his last start. Good for him. Yeah, I, you know, I, I still find myself rooting for Syndergaard. I do. Um, he's not the same pitcher, but I, I want to say we had this exact same conversation in the past. I <laughs> feel like he could be a candidate to kind of ease into veteran pitching and, and you know, locate and command uh, better. Just focus on that a little more than trying to be Thor. But, yeah, you hope for it. Do you think Max is going to be making his start on Friday, at, on, uh, on Thursday, yeah. and do you uh, – excuse me, on Wednesday – and do you uh, expect any hiccups? Uh, no, I think I think he'll make it. And and so yeah, we should talk about this because it also affected Sanga. But I think that given the pitch clock, given how um, athletic they have to be now, uh, I, I think that's causing some extra fatigue because this also was affecting. I, I was reading about Kenta Maeda, um, and obviously he's coming off of Tommy John, but still uh, the. The effect of the clock and and having to be going and going and going, not being able to kind of control your own pace uh, as much, I, I think that yeah. does uh, affect these guys, especially the ones that have done, been doing it for a long time. Um, so, uh, yeah. I, I, so with Senga, I think it was a little bit different, right? Like he was just dealing with a lot of long innings given all of the walks and um so I, I think that that affected him more so than uh, this. But, uh, yeah, well, I, I expect him to be there. I, I think he threw today and said that if he needed to go today, meaning if it was later in the season they really needed the win, uh, that he would be uh, out there. But I think the Mets are playing it smart. I think they should continue to play it this way. Uh, if last year taught us anything, it's that, you just got to be healthy at the right time. And uh, and so I, I think the Mets are doing the right thing there. Well, as a 39-year-old non-professional athlete, I can tell you <laughs> that lingering soreness is definitely a thing. And, um, yeah, if Max needs needs a, a start or needs a day um, through, through the rotation throughout the year here and there, I'm fine with that. If the Mets have the depth to be able to do it, great. If Sanga needs a day here or there, I don't care if anybody needs a day. You know, I think this team can get through it. I think this team can 
great and Barrett. Because like you said, when it comes down to it, you don't want to break down in, in September. You don't want to break down in October. Um, you know, if you have to make your way back from a drubbing in Milwaukee and go beat up on Oakland or Miami or whatever, there's always going to be opportunities to do this throughout the season. And it kind of falls into the same hole as, you know, Oh, if you, you know, Max isn't feeling well, okay, well let's give him a break and we'll make it up later in the season. Now you can't play that game all year. Cause that turned into a slippery slope, but you know, that it's one of the, the luxuries that this game affords you. It's one of the luxuries that 162 games affords you is that there's always going to be hills and valleys and peaks and whatever. And it's, it's just, it's part of the game. And yeah, I think you put it perfectly that it matters when you get hot. It doesn't matter that you stay, stay hot the whole year, man. Just you, you have to turn it on when it means the most. And, um, you know, the Mets, if they have to kind of, you know, piece together their season in a, in a way that put thing that puts things together in this kind of fashion where, Oh, you know, well, we're going to be, you know, shifting the new, the the young guys in as maybe some guys aren't producing or, you, you know, Max might get a day off or whatever the case may be. I think it's going to be a fluid situation. I think the Mets are going to make the best of it. And I think they're deep enough and smart enough to, to really succeed with whichever direction they go, if that <laughs> makes any sense. Yeah, I think you, you nailed it. Um, so... Yeah, this uh, this series it'll be fun to watch. I, I always like watching uh, the Dodgers, even though I don't like them. I just think they have um, traditionally had a lot of star power, and even though maybe not all of those names are the same, it, there are a lot of those guys. I saw that, um, and Gary mentioned on the broadcast that Will Smith went on the IL today, so that's one less guy to worry about, I guess. Oh, and kills the Mets too. Yeah, yeah. Well, so does Freddie Freeman. He's like the ultimate Met killer. Oh, uh, inherited. He's that's like um, that's like my ultimate cap tip, man. I love Freddie. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, he's such a good player, man. He's such a good hitter. Oh yeah, of course, of course, he's a good player. I just don't like Freddie Freeman because oh. you know he was a Brave and now he's with the Dodgers, and I don't like either of those teams. So how about Mookie? Uh, like to me, bro, Mookie Betts. Yeah. He could be Mookie is also my favorite type of player. Like I love athletic outfielders. That's my like if I were to choose a baseball player, it would be that guy. And and the bowling stuff with Mookie is awesome too. You know that, right? Oh yeah, he's like a world class bowler. Yeah, well, that's also how like the Red Sox realized that he was uh, like going to have a phenomenal arm. Uh, In addition to watching him, they watched him bowl and. And realized that he would be a really good outfielder as well. So um, I can't I can't bowl a lick, but I have friends that are really really good at it. And um, you'd be surprised how much can be derived from a good bowling, I guess, form. I guess that's what you would call it your 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 form, your your <laughs> delivery. But it's you know that whole pendulum idea, and they like I've seen friends apply it to golf. I've seen friends apply it to like totally just off kilter types of physical activities. And it's like, Oh yeah. Like you, like you're rolling a bowling ball and you tell it to me, I don't know what the hell that means. Cause I can't, again, I can't bowl for shit, but um, <laughs> you know, it's just such a cool game and it's almost like it ties into the whole, you know, play any sport you can because 
the better you are at every sport, the better you're going to be at the sport you want to be at. You know what I mean? That's right. The power of being a generalist. Exactly. Oh, it's great. I love it. Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> now, the guy that I, I don't know that guy's name, but I know Pete player. Weber. Uh, Pete Weber? Yeah. Now, who was that guy? Do you know who he was playing that day? Because there was someone in that era. He was a young kid at that time. And the, apparently, like, I think this kid went to a local high school at the time that I was in, or a little nearby. He was like really good. I, I don't remember his name, but I want to say he was either in that tournament or even playing that guy, Pete Weber, when he did that. I don't know, but... Um, yeah, the extent of my bowling knowledge is that Mookie anecdote and Pete Weber, and that's oh, it. Okay, so I'm asking the wrong guy. I don't know <laughs> you Pete Weber's name. But what not in the weeds on, on bowling. Apparently, Pete Weber was like some kind of like wild party boy, but he calmed down and he got his life in order, and then he won that championship. That's why he was so fired up. I would do the same thing. Who do you think you are, man? I am. The the documentary now uh, episode. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but uh, it, it's uh, it's Tim Robinson playing that character who's based on <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he's um he's hysterical. Yeah. But uh, boy, this this episode's gone off the rails a bunch of times. Oh, we're having fun. Oh, I love it. Yeah, we have nothing but fun here. Um. I think J.D. Martinez is going to hit the Mets hard this week. I don't know why. I just kind of think that's going to happen. He always tends to when they play him, but we'll see. Yeah, no career hits and six at-bats against uh, Peterson, so hopefully um, nice tomorrow. Excellent. But, yeah, Hayward, I mean, they they just continuously retool and they just continuously compete. I want to say they had a tough time against the Cubs this weekend. Lost two out of three, but, you know. Who knows? The Cubs might be a good team. I think David Ross is actually turned into a really good manager. I think guys like playing for him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah. And, you know, as long as you keep the fans happy, I feel like you'll have a job in Chicago for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be a long season, man. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's, what that's, the, that's the best part. You know, you, you win some, you lose some, and hopefully you're – around at the end to be able to make some noise. And that, and that's all baseball is, you know, but it's just a great. Side? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I thought you were done. No. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's just a great clock for the year. And summer is my favorite and baseball just always kind of keeps the time of the summer. Yeah. It's, it's like, a, you know, we have four seasons now. We got two seasons. It's baseball season and it's not baseball season. <laughs> um, Shout out to all my friends who are rooting for non-baseball postseason sports this week. Uh, you got the Knicks, the Devils, the Rangers, and the Islanders all in uh, in postseason play. So if you're rooting this week, good luck to your teams. Um, shout out to our guy, Greg. Yes. Shout out to Greg. Greg's been churning out some A-plus content these days on Twitter. Good. Anything else? Oh, I think we got it, man. I think we awesome. got it. Let's go Mets. Let's go Islanders. Let's go Knicks. The whole, yeah, the whole gamut, bro. Um, LFGM, folks. I think that's all we got this week.